G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. What I want my children to see is that my husband and I are not clones. We will probably disagree sometimes, but that everything is safe. It's all okay. Do you see your marriage as a legacy for future generations? Today our guest is Joanne Wilson, the Relationship Rejuvenator and author of Renovate Your Relationship. She's a neuropsychotherapist inspiring the community for thriving and dynamic relationships that impact generations for mental well-being. Join us today as we discuss how you can create positive change to recreate and reform the legacy you leave your children and future generations. That's Joanne Wilson, our guest today, with my wife Kate and myself, Brett Ryan, for Focus on the Family, Australia. Well, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It's an honour to be here chatting to you again. It's a pleasure having you and and thanks to Salt FM for recording in their studio today and we really appreciate their contribution and help to make this possible. Oh, they're very good to me. They let me unleash all my words each week. (laughs) 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 As a female, Kate and I will probably stereotypically have a few more than you, Brett, so I was just wondering to see how many words you might get in today. I appreciate the uh, availability (laughs) to actually recognise that I am actually still here. (laughs) Well, we'll see. (laughs) Look, I'm going to start right from the very beginning. Can you share with us why you are so passionate about your work as a relationship counsellor? I just, even this week, Kate, I just got goosebumps. Um, Another couple came in and they come from a not particularly helpful legacy. So when they walk in the door and they are open-hearted and they are seeking positive change, I get so goosebumpy about being able to recreate and reform their legacy, particularly when they have children, that we can impact generations. So as you could imagine, a lot of my couples are very well versed in the blame game by the time I see them. It's all about how bad it is for me and how my partner is so bad. And yeah, it's a really good place to start. I very gently turn the mirror back onto themselves as the initial part of counselling. But I guess we'll get to that. But my main passion does come from recreating legacies that impact generations and the children that I likely will never meet. I tell my couples I'm here on their behalf and they never asked for this and we get to support them and what's best for them. I love the language you have around that the legacy that you're going to be leaving for your children, uh, rather than even, you know, the family of origin that we look at, it's, you know, recreating the legacy that they have had and what they're going to leave in the future. That's With beautiful. The more we, I do this job, the more I see the subconscious patterns that we repeat down generations. And this is where I kind of was quite confused when I was young. I just thought, how can an innocent baby be punished for the sins of the forefathers. And I'm thinking of Exodus 20, verse 5 and 6. And it says, I'm a jealous God punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. 
but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And I think, wow, now I am a counsellor. I absolutely see consistently the ripple effect of the behaviours of people in our past and how without realising it, we replicate that. Uh, When a push comes to shove, when we're up against the challenges of the world, we tend to just use those coping mechanisms that our caregivers used. And obviously, there's so many of those that we'll talk about. But yeah, the thriving relationships are an underpinning of our well-being. And that's what gives me such fervor to create mental health. Because when our relationships are giving us that solid attachment, that go-to place that we can count on our people, our parents or our partner, especially for children, you can launch yourself off to success. And that's where people flourish. It's really exciting. I love that way where you're saying basically it's an intentional change instead of defaulting to what you've known. Yeah, and when I got just this week, this couple I had that came in and I think of the male's mum had had an affair on her side, her parents were alcoholics. They really don't get mentors in their life and Mm -hmm. they come in with absolute open hearts. They're on the verge of divorce. They've got children. And they're basically saying, please help us. This is the last point of call. And I make jokes going, wow, no pressure on me. And I've seen a number (laughs) of counsellors before. But, you know, I do take it seriously because then again, I say to them, we're here on behalf of your children. If I ask them, what would you want? They definitely want mum and dad in the same house and being together. And I just want peace. And it doesn't mean that I'm forcing every couple to stay together. But what I do say is, Let's just look forward and wonder if you were at their 21st birthdays or at your children's wedding day, Mm. can you peacefully sit there and enjoy this event knowing that you gave this relationship your all and whatever your decisions today are a really positive impact on their legacy and their children and their children. Oh, fantastic. I love that. Do you find that people use that as an excuse of, oh, that's what happened to my dad or that's what happened to my mum? Or do you have the converse to that and people say, I will never be like my father, I'll never be like my mother, and they can use both sides. What is your experience in your role? My experience is that often they're surprised when I talk a bit about their family history. You know, I say, you know, you're not a direct product, you're not a clone of your parents or your grandparents, but let's just have a bit of a look to see where you've come from because it will influence how you behave in your relationship. I tend to find more often than not that they're more surprised. I go, wow, okay, yes, my mum didn't have an affair. I'd never really thought about it that way. You definitely have those people that say, my childhood was so traumatic I never could count on my mum and dad because they were drunk half the time. I would never drink a drop of alcohol. You could imagine that, yeah, you would make that choice. But then you've also got the other ones that just default to that. They had a bad day. The first thing you do is you go and have a drink to make it all better. So Mm. it's a real mix. Yeah. But I think that they find it. And that's why I talk about this so much now is, wow, just realize how much your subconscious coping mechanisms, it's our best attempt to cope with life. Hmm. that generally have come to what we've been taught as a child. As Kate mentioned before, that that family of origin, a lot of people have that aha moment. When we speak about it at at a marriage conference or a parenting conference, they go, ah, that's where I get it from. And it's not until they actually, it's brought to the light, so to speak, because we actually just default to the things that we're familiar with. And then in your role, you'll see that light bulb moment. Is that correct? Yeah, and I think even with the loved-up couples I get to see, I wish I could see more of the pre-marriage couples. Not so many people, I'm not sure about your experience, but I wish more people would do pre-marriage education or therapy. But Absolutely. I do a love heart, 
and say, you know, there's two love hearts on either side and this represents your families and your culture, let's really bring in the great parts of your culture. Yeah. So even if you've got alcoholic parents, I'm sure there was some amazing attributes that your parents can pass down. They're not all bad, so it's not really writing them off and blaming them completely. Yeah. But it's about let's really draw on their sense of humor or the fact that they were really good at their job and what parts of that do you want to impact future generations, not just the bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think one of the things that we all tend to do is we think we're our own person. So we don't tend to look back until things start to go wrong <laughs> and then it's brought to light and you go, oh, well, I didn't think that was going to affect me because that was them, Yeah. not me. I'm just my yeah. own person. But everything that we've kind of take on is something that we've been role modelled, but we didn't know that that's where it all began. Yeah, and not everyone had the beautiful picket fence with the amazing parental mentors. Like, I'm a parent, we've got three boys. I'm still stuffing it up, and I come from a great family, so there's room for improvement, let alone when you've got these behaviours that are so toxic. You've got really unhelpful conflict. You know, you could have the withdrawer, the real passive-aggressive person in conflict. So we're not just talking about drug addiction, we're talking about how people... Um, avoid or confront conflict even. What I want my children to see is that my husband and I are not clones. We will probably disagree sometimes, but that everything is safe. It's all okay. Yeah, and it's interesting because, look, when our boys were younger, if we had an argument, I remember our youngest going to his grandfather and saying, are mum and dad going to get a divorce? And we were like, where would that even come from? That, yeah. You know, their grandparents were, you know, happily married. It was just because in the environment that they're in where there are a lot of divorces, we were just disagreeing on something. And we're like, oh, we really need to talk about where those yeah. thoughts came from. Yeah, that's a really healthy conversation around the dinner table. I know folks yeah. in the family and I too talk about the importance, as I've noted in my book, just about eating and generating conversation yeah. and the amazing benefits from that. But having that conversation that it is okay to be in conflict. I don't know how many couples I come across that one of them will at least say, I avoid confrontation at all costs. Yeah. And that's not helpful. Shoving it under the carpet, you're going to explode eventually. If you're a human, it's going to come out either in your behaviors, when you're keeping secrets or you're not able to express yourself, it's going to leak out of you, whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take us to a moment where you're in a counselling session and you share about family of origin and, you know, there was infidelity or there may have been alcohol abuse, there may have been, you know, pornography addiction or all a variety of different types of expressions. Once you've actually enlightened somebody, how do they avoid it, you know, prior or what do they do now? So, yeah, I think the light bulb goes on. It gives them a lot of momentum to be committed to the process. Well, I say to them, I'm blatantly holding your children in front of you. Even if they don't have children, you're still a mentor and your health and happiness relies on your relationship. So I think the important thing is just to know why you're there and what you can do is really just slow things down and yeah. as I said before like make sure that you turn the mirror back off the other pe- well turn the mirror on yourself basically have a look yeah. in the mirror and see how you're conscious people don't so tend a- to like that Joe would they no because they always think it might be especially if it's in a marital or a couple therapy they're so focusing on it's all the other person's fault 
Yeah, they're actually looking for a referee. When I say to them, why are you here? In not those terms, but mostly couples are coming in because they've just run out of best attempts to cope. They're not getting anywhere. It's a toxic environment. People don't come in generally just to have a nicer marriage or to improve things <laughs> yeah, or yeah. marriage enrichment. Unfortunately, I see the worst of the worst when it's got really bad. Yeah. Um, and they come in for a referee. So actually looking at yourself is not what they came in for. So <laughs> how I approach that is generally quite quite delicately. Yeah. Mm. Well, actually, that's a good point. Just to take people back, you don't have to have a problem to go and see a counsellor. Oh, I wish people would remember that. Like, I need to put that up on neon lights. Like, yeah, really make sure that you're constantly, like you do in every other part of your job, I wish that people would have next to the dentist and their GP and their phone that they would maybe have a relationship therapist as just a, I guess I'm a bit biased, I'm in the industry, but how wonderful would it be just to have that courage or that openness and vulnerability to come in and say, we just want to stay on track. This is kind of where we often find that we can get stuck in a bit of a pothole or things are just substandard. It's not passionate. It's not intimate. It's just, you know, the flatmate syndrome sometimes. And some people are quite complacent. And so I think it's about we're designed. God created us uniquely and wonderfully. And I don't know how many times I say this in my book as well, that we're created relationally. We rely on each other. And again, like I said, our mental health just is flourishing when we can get this right. Yeah, doing that self-audit is so important. I mean, we do it with every other part of our life, as you're saying, you know. We get checkups, we get our cars checked up, we go, you know, for professional training, we do all sorts of things, but this is kind of the last port of call. Mm. We think we should know how to do it. Today, our guest is Joanne Wilson. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Today our guest is Joanne Wilson, the Relationship Rejuvenator and author of Renovate Your Relationship. You're sort of dangling their children or their grandchildren in front of them. And some people might find that very mean. But what about the person who says, well, we are putting them first. We're obviously in so much pain and we are laying that tension onto the children. And so isn't it better for us to just call it quits in a relationship for the health and well-being of our kids? What would you say to people like that? Yeah, for all sorts of reasons, that's not my decision as a relationship therapist to choose whether they should separate or not. Um, Some people's legacies, I know one particular woman just said, oh yeah, my mum and my grandma, when you're not feeling happy in your relationship, you leave. If you're not happy, what's the definition of happy, Mm. you can leave. But I said, you're going to be in each other's lives for a long time anyway. And I highlight the fact that a lot of my other clients have then met Fred and Frida, so they've repartnered. Fred and Frida also have children. Then we're all swapping houses, and this is a reality for many households these days. So many different blends of families, and not to say that you can't have a happy life, but it's definitely more complicated. So I just highlight what's ahead. And there are those images. You know, I say to my female client, are you okay with your ex-husband's partner? You know, you're all going to be in bed together on Father's and Mother's Day. Like, it's like, oh, gosh, okay, never really thought about that. Are Mm. you okay with someone else disciplining your children? And this is where I openly say, 
we're all in the same house trying to discipline our children and I find that quite challenging when we're often not aligned. It's like I thought that that was a fairly harsh consequence and my husband doesn't. How do you do that from two separate houses? And that's really quite complicated. So Mm. just really making sure that that couple knows what they're in for. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. What are the words that relationship therapists wish they could say? Oh, this is a little bit controversial, <laughs> and I'm making assumptions that every other relationship counsellor... Well, maybe just you say, then. Yeah, it's done in a very nice way. It's kind of like that beautiful feedback sandwich. You know, the courage to turn up is definitely highlighted. That is huge. To pick up the phone and even go and find a therapist is quite a massive feat, I think. Especially yeah. when you're already traumatised and you're lonely and you're unhappy and that is a big deal. And it makes you feel like a failure already because that's kind of the thought process, isn't yeah, it? If you have point. to go and see a, a counsellor, then you're a failure because you should have known how to do it. Yeah, this is myth-busting. Yeah. We're yeah, actually myth-busting myth right here. That's yeah. right. Exactly. And I think especially those people that have been through a failed marriage and they went to counselling and it didn't work out, those people especially think, oh, gosh, if we go to therapy again, that means it's not going to work. So that's yeah. another myth as well. So this is a totally different dynamic than your previous one. Yeah. So it's not even comparable But I do highlight to them the great things. We talk about what they appreciated about each other as well. But I also talk about them saving money because (laughs) I've got a group of people up here that refer um, their family lawyers and they say to people, what's his or her name and how much do you want out of them? That's literally how they approach divorce. Like, yeah, it's pretty hardcore. And they say, well, you can go and talk to Joe and cry in front of her for $300 an hour. You can do it here. It's like, whoa, okay, let's just bring that right back mm. and think about the money that you would save as well going through all of that thought process. But it's mm. it's not only the financial expense. It's also the relational, the emotional, uh, the physical, how it uh, you know, affects it your body. I remember yeah. speaking to a woman who went through a divorce and she actually said to me, she goes, you know, Brett, I wish I'd stuck it out. Because the pain of all of this has been so much greater. I think it would have been better for us to just work on our marriage if we could. And yeah. uh, and she regretted not working a little bit harder. And I would say maybe in your experience that, you know, it is expensive financially, but it takes its toll on you as a person. And this, Brett, is what we're talking about legacy. That emotional trauma, that environment that you're creating for your children or yourself impacts generations. Yeah. People are not unscathed when they go through this massive change. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it is unavoidable and I also very much impress on people if you're being abused in any way, either physically, emotionally, verbally, that this gift that I'm giving you, highlighting the benefits of the two words I'm about to say, it's not for everybody because if your abuse is a whole separate thing and that's what yeah, you really need to sure. step out yeah. and know what you deserve because we all deserve to be treated with respect and kindness. And if you don't see potential for that, then either that person needs to go to rehabilitation and then come back and see me, but really get out straight away. Yeah. Yeah. The two words to answer your question, and this is where it is quite controversial, is literally try harder. I really want couples to hang in there and give this a decent go. Like that person that you said that she really regretted not being able to just take a step back and think about how bad it is now but think about the future yeah. and think about what the ramifications are for the future. Mm. So how do people receive it, if you could say that, try harder? And we, we've tried everything. We've tried everything, Joe. You're saying Nothing's we're not trying? Worst. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't tried my strategies, have you? <laughs> oh, there you go. That's the key. And I think every 
relationship therapist has their own style. But the great thing about my job is a lot of it is that trusted therapeutic connection that you can really build on and then have I can have all the strategies as well. But they need to have the commitment and a lot of my work is visual. Every time we do something, it's got to be up in light because you'll walk out the counselling room and go, well, that was a lovely idea. But the love languages, like you said before, you know, some people regret not knowing that in their first marriage. Everyone loves to find out their own, you know, love language yeah. and be able to yeah. speak their own. But I say, don't just leave it there. Give each other examples. And I want this stuck up in your wardrobe or wherever it is. And when we talk about re-engineering their conflict cycle, right, let's put a picture of this up on the board. Let's take a photo of it. Let's put it up on the fridge. Like, really make sure that it is in your face. Yeah. 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 I love the way you use committed to this. Um, We've got a friend who's a counsellor in the States, and she was saying, while they're with me and, you you know, you see they're kicking goals, and then they go away and they come back six months later and you say, well, how's it going? Oh, it's not working. And she says, well, have you been putting into action the steps in the keys that we talked about? Oh, well, we got busy. Yeah. So you you do have to be committed to the process. Yeah, and if I was to take up the game of golf, I currently don't play golf, but if I was to try and get a near-decent swing, I'm going to have to try up to 60 days of repetition and consistency to try and do that. So that's how long it takes, and I follow a lot of Dr. Carolyn Leaf, the awesome neuroscientist work, and uh, she talks about rewiring your brain, and I love all that. I love integrating neuroscience into my work because it just makes absolute sense how we can trigger each other and the emotional senses of our brain. But if I was to have a new healthy habit, it takes a couple of months at least. And so how do you do that? You absolutely need to keep trying. And even if you forget or you try a new conflict cycle, and I do tell couples, you probably won't get it right this next time, but just don't give up on the process. I've got to keep practicing my goal swing if I was to actually be able to play properly, reduce my handicap. And some people will say, well, my marriage is a handicap. You know, (laughs) my partner is a handicap. But really what we're saying is if we work through it and try a little bit harder and working out some of the keys and seeing as therapists will certainly help. So what can you say to a couple who go, we recognize that we just continue to push those same buttons. We just don't want to keep on repeating the same mistakes time and time again. So what would you say to that couple? I would make themselves accountable through sharing it, if they can, with others. Like, I love the whole concept of marriage mentors. Yes. I added a chapter in my book about that. We Tell love we, we love, love that, that too. here at Focus on the Family. <laughs> we want to see that happen as a natural outpouring. Not only are you saying, who's your mentor, but who are you mentoring? Because if we create that culture, it'll improve so many marriages and so many families. Yeah, you can guarantee the ones I'm seeing generally haven't had great examples they haven't learned from the best and I say go and find someone the same as you do in business why would you make the same mistakes someone else's mate cut your own mistakes short so go and find people that you admire and that takes all the courage to go wow how come you're so happy how do you do that or how do you have such an amazing relationship you seem to be so connective and you have such a good time together how do you do that and I think being able to keep yourself accountable with those people and team up with them and every marriage mentorship or relationship mentor situation is quite different how involved it can be or how not but it literally could be making sure that you have a fortnightly catch-up or a meal once a month and team (coughs) it with people that can really level you up and we all know that you become better for surrounding yourself with inspiring people so yeah yeah. and of course you can't ignore the power of the holy spirit it's just so spine tingling when i get to work with christian couples and i work with people of all different worldviews 
but being able to pray with that couple and ask for God to move mountains when, you know, mm, and I've seen that so happen good. time and time again. Like some of those relationships I've even been thinking, and I'll say that, wow, I'm seeing some major red flags here and it's really not looking good. I don't say it in those terms, but it's like when God's in the room, we have so much hope and that's what we thrive on is hope and certainty and that's where the pandemic comes in and people's stress levels come up and that's where many couples are struggling right now because we can't be the best versions of ourselves when our stress levels are up because of that isolation and all the things that have been going on this year. Yeah, when our emotions are high, our cognitive processes and our coping mechanisms are low. So we need to narrow it down. We cannot access our prefrontal cortex when we're whirring around in our emotional brain. It all goes south and we respond not particularly well. And that's a really good point. I love this one is that just saying yesterday with a couple be okay with having a bad day. Be so accepting of yourself, self-compassionately. Ring ahead if you're on your way home from work and say it's not looking pretty. Yeah. <laughs> at least your partner knows that they can run you a bath or just step away from their partner because inevitably it's going to blow up. Or as a partner, you always think, gosh, what have I done? So just allow yourself that compassion to be not okay. What would you say to a couple who's hearing this and they're going, that's us? We're doing it tough at the moment and we want to leave a legacy for our children. What would you say to them? Well, those two words, try harder, which is hard for them to swallow, but absolutely have peace that you give it your best shot. If you feel that you have tried everything as a couple, as an individual, that you've turned that mirror on yourself, that you've sought help from mentors, that you've prayed for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, that you can't have regrets. Yeah, Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you for joining us again. My pleasure. Joanne Wilson is the Relationship Rejuvenator, and she was our guest today. And she's the author of Renovate Your Relationship, all the DIY tools for your most important project. To find out more, you can go to her website, relationshiprejuvenator.com. Thanks for joining us today. For more helpful relationship advice, go to our website at families.org.au. On behalf of Kate and myself, Brett Ryan, join us again next time for another edition of Focus on the Family. Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.